Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Professor Amanda Dempsey, who leads the School of Accounting at the University of Johannesburg. Prior to this role, she served as Executive Dean of the Faculty of Economic and Financial Sciences at the University of Johannesburg. She is a Chartered Accountant, registered with SICA, the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants. She holds a BCom and MCom in Accounting. And this year, she received the SICA Chairman's Difference Makers Award for Academia, Welcome to the show. Thank you, Amalaya. I'm very honored to be here today. Thank you so much. Prof Dempsey, you have this incredible history and and background to you. And when I think about the division of, of accounting, it's such an important field. You lead an incredibly large department. You've got academic staff, complement of 125, 7,300 students. So a mini army that study across the spectrum from diplomas to PhDs. Uh, last week, we had an interview with the CEO of FACET, Ayanda Mafuleka. And one of the things that she pointed out was that literally every single business, no matter what industry, needs an accountant. And your school is effectively a talent pipeline for the industry. First of all, what attracted you to the accounting field? You know, when I was in school, I could easily do maths and I could do accounting. I was not aware of the business world. I was brought up in a very um, middle-class household, but I was fortunate enough to go to a women's uh, girls' school, Help McCard, Macy's Worth, that was in in Johannesburg, but it's closed down um, some years ago. So there we were writing aptitude tests and we had a person coming to talk to us and he said oh you can be an accountant no no you clever you must become a chartered accountant and that was actually the first time ever I heard the word chartered accountant and then I decided this is what I wanted to do I was fortunate enough to grow up in Melville West Dean so I could walk to the then RAU, now UJ. So I walked there. I actually, when I was still in primary school, I saw the university being built. So it's kind of my neighborhood. So I walked there a kilometer every day, and I just loved it from the first moment. And now it's 39 years that I've been lecturing and being a staff member at the university. And I'll retire at the end of the year after 39 years of service to the university. Wow, that's such a wonderful full cycle of being part of the presence of the building as it's starting to develop, doing your studies at the institution, teaching students, and then um, retiring out of the discipline. Yes, it's a very long journey that I can. Talking about journeys, walk us through some of the milestones in your career. Wow, the first one was to be appointed. Since we talk about women in unity, I can say that the, when I applied the first time for at RAU, the male figure said he can't appoint me because women are too fertile. Yes. That, but that has got to be the first time I've heard that expression, women are too fertile. 
Yes. So a year later, he said to me, no, he actually think he can give me a place. And I got the, the, I had to have an interview and I got the job. And I just loved every moment of it. I love the students. I love the environment. I just love everything about the university. It was just, I, I was feeling that I, I got home when I was starting to lecture there. So, yeah, so my first milestone must have been when I was um, brought in as an author of Accounting One textbook. Now, that was big for me because my textbook, our textbook, were prescribed at many universities. Then maybe my second milestone was when Saika started the Tutuka program. Tutuka means to develop, and that was to produce black chartered accountants. And I got involved in that project and we primarily worked in the Eastern Cape, that time at the University, university of Forte. And it was an amazing journey to see those local students from rural, rural Eastern Cape and some students from Zimbabwe on the presidential scholarship coming to the university and to study accountancy. So I flew down every second week on a Monday evening. I would sleep there, have an early Monday morning meeting in East London, drive an hour and a half to Forte, lecture six hours, drive back, fly back to Joburg. And that Tutuka project was just an amazing project. Then later on, the Tutuka project um, expanded. And at UJ, we've got um, Tutuka students. We take about 50 new students every year. So we've got about a cohort of 250 students that we house in one residence called Sophia Town. That is our students doing the Tutuka. And it's it's just for transformation to get more chartered accountants. My next milestone would be when I was appointed to city. That was a big step for me. Never in my life I would have imagined that I can become a dean. And I was fortunate. It was just the start of the UJ. So we developed policies. It was it was like starting a new university with three universities merging. It was an amazing um, experience. Then my absolute highlight must be this year when I was awarded the Chairman's Difference Maker Award for Academia. That was absolutely the highlight of my career. Tell us a little bit more about how you felt receiving that award. You know, when you have to write up your story, you know, I'm not a writer, I'm a doer. So I maybe one of my shortcomings is that I don't reflect enough. I want to do something and I do it and I get on and I do it. And that's also my motto in life. Just do it. You know, don't hesitate. Just get going. But to sit down and reflect and think about life, I don't give myself that opportunity often. But then for that nomination, I had to write about myself. And when I put myself on paper, my journey through all my years and my 39 years at UJ, I realized, gosh, I went to journey. I have to say another highlight was that I was appointed on an international education, accounting education committee, subcommittee of IFAC, that is the umbrella body for accountants in the world. 
and there to rub shoulders with those international academics from all over the world. So while I was writing it all, I was reflecting and thinking, you know, what the opportunity I had. God always opened doors. Before he closed the door, there's a new one open. So I'm so grateful in my life for all the opportunities that I had. And I grabbed them. I really took every opportunity. So life has been good for me. You've shared aspects about the, the reflection on your career and your, your journey. What would you say has been the most rewarding part about the job? You know, my job now as senior director is so awarding. You know, to step down from art management, you know, deanship, you know, uh, to a level down where you're a bit closer to the students and you're closer to staff. And one of my, um, the things that I really wanted to do the last few years of my career was to mentor staff. You know, at UJ and in accounting field, you don't get that many academics with PhDs. And we realized that it's necessary. Accountants who are academics must do PhDs. And to walk that journey with staff members from the day you talk to them and you say, hey, you know, think about it. You have to do it. If you want to be in academia, this is what you must do. And then to go to the time when they hand in a PhD. That in my last few years was so rewarding to me. That together with excellent ITC results, that's the Psycho Board 1 results, to see how we make a difference because we are not, a, we, we do get very good students, but most of our students or maybe 50% of our students are NISFAS. They come from poor households. They don't know what is buying assets. You know, when you do have a business, you do things, sales, receivables, you know, those things are so foreign to them. And when you see they become chartered accountants, when you see they become associate directors at audit at at um yeah at audit firms, accounting firms, it is such amazing journey to see staff and students develop to their full potential. That must be a fantastic feeling. And I have to ask, with us being a gender-based show, are there enough women studying accounting? Yes, there are. In my time, it was definitely not. We were the groundbreakers. Um, I think they, at Rao, there were one cohort of ladies before me and my friends. And actually, we 45 years ago, we were first years, and we couldn't do it in this year. So early next year, we're having a reunion in the Cape where one friend is flying from UK. And we were six friends that were the tailblazers for women in accountancy. So those days, it was something totally new. Today, we've got a lot of women. And one of the reasons is because this qualification, the CISA qualification, gives you a lot of options. Yes, you can become a CFO and you can work your 16 to 18 hours a day and you can do that. But you can also have a home practice where you do it in between picking up kids and doing things. That's the beauty of the CISA qualification. It's not only that every company needs an accountant. It's also you can choose the job that fits your lifestyle 
very well. So you can do, you can become the CEO of a top 40 company, or you can have a tax practice at home if that is what you choose. And that is the nice thing, thing specifically about the chartered accountant qualification. And it's a professional qualification, so you can do it. So once you have it, you can then start your career. The sky's the limit. That's the best qualification I think anybody can get for themselves. And I'm so proud of my profession. And it was it's such an honor to put the academia and the profession together. And that's why the SICA and the Chairman's Award, Different Makers Award, is such an achievement for me because it's like the pinnacle of my career where I put my professional body and my education, those two, that's where they connect. You've spoken about the fact, and I'm very happy to hear that, that there are enough women coming into the accounting stream. But at the same time, when you started out, it was a very male-dominated career. As you've progressed through your career, what were some of the challenges that you encountered and how did you overcome them? You know, thinking back, and it's ironically, I was in employment for 10 years before I could join a pension fund. Women did not join pension funds in the 1980s. It was a government pension fund. We didn't get a housing subsidy. The men got that. We didn't get medical aid subsidy. We didn't get it. 1994, it was opened up and I could join the pension fund. And today, I'm the chair of the UJ Pension Fund. That's a very huge pension fund with almost $4 billion of um of, of, of funds in the fund. So yes, it, I came a long way from not being able to be on the pension fund to chair the pension fund. But later on in my life, and specifically when the RAU became UJ, I can just take my hat off to the leadership. There was not one moment of discrimination against women. Never, ever. Our first leader, Prof. Iron Rensburg, he always said, come on, you can do it. And we, we were motivated. It was my journey at UJ specifically, the new university for a new middle class South Africa, was such an amazing career with so many opportunities. I can honestly tell you that not one day in my life did I feel that I didn't get an opportunity because I was a woman. That's the leadership of the University of Johannesburg is extremely progressive in that sense. And that makes me that I'm not really a woman liver. It's not necessary for me to fight. You know, I went to a a girls' school for a reason. It was the best school in my area. My father went to the boys' school. And I thought it's a nice thing to go there. And today, you know, how many years since I've been there, We are such a group of close friends, and it's actually so sad. We had a friend that in her first year, her father became very rich. She got a um, Porsche for her 18th birthday. And in 61, she passed on in a rehab. And you know, that made us ladies come together and say, and we call ourselves the Eagle Team. We are the Eagle Team. 
And we've got careers from this side to that side. And some people who are, it's, it's not just amazing if a group of women get together what they can achieve. And that is this with my school friends and so with my university friends. And although I say I'm not a woman's liver, it's so important to have those friends because, you know, there's something in ladies getting together and deciding we're going to do that that is so powerful and strong. And maybe it's part of my upbringing that I had to defend myself. You know, you're in a girl's school. Come on, there's not putting on lipstick to make yourself nice for a boy or something. You're yet to study and learn and to do things. And I don't know if that background in my life actually stand me good so that I always know I had to fight for myself. But as I said, in the UJ, it was never necessary. I, I cannot tell you once that I don't think there, there's enough opportunities for women. So I'm very proud of my institution. Leadership is such an important component because that dictates and sets the tone for downward streams across yes. what happens in organizations. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's really good to hear that the university is so progressive. Part of the challenge, though, in other spheres is that women tend to be underrepresented in leadership. As a female leader, you know, having been dean, having led the the school of accounting, what do you think we can do to increase the throughput of more women into leadership positions? You know, unfortunately, many women choose not to do it. You know, we're still in a society where, I mean, women will always bear the children and we still that they're the more nurturing partner of the partnership. But if I see my kids who are 30, 40s and the role the fathers play with a family, it's very different from my generation. So I think there is enough strong women Unfortunately, not all women with potential choose to make a career because, you know, bringing up of kids is a very important part of life. You have to have next generations. But what I see nowadays is that the roles are often changed where the father is the stay-at-home parent and the mother can go out. So I see a lot of change in my children from when I was young. I had a very supportive husband who passed on, but um, who helped me a lot when the kids were small. And now I'm married again, also extremely um, supportive husband, and we've got lots of children. In all, we've got nine adult children, in-laws and stepchildren and all kind of children, and we engage with them a lot. And if I see what the young men are doing today, it's heartwarming. It's really, and if you look at the shopping centers and you see dads with the kids on their hip and taking part in the duties, household duties, it's just heartwarming for me. So, yes, it's sad if there's still companies who doesn't allow women to become leaders. I think if I was in a company like that, I would have thought like you won't believe because it's in my nature, don't push me down. And luckily, I was never pushed down. So I think I would have had a different view if I was in another environment that I I am at the moment. And what are your thoughts about mentorship programs 
or other types of programs that help develop capabilities or give people better navigation on their leadership journeys? Oh, that's so important. That is when I realize I've got my three, four years left that I decided I'm going to mentor staff. And of my 125 staff members, I think I mentored about 26 with a strong, strong mentorship focus. I engage the others also often. But these would be like every six weeks, touch base. Where are you? How are you doing as a person? How are you doing as academic? And where are you regarding promotion and a PhD studies? And it was so fulfilling getting to know these people, know their children, know everything of them, their deep inside feeling. And some of them even kind of allow me to open myself to them. That was what I found quite strange. There was specifically a few of them where I would actually open up to them. It was not them mentoring me, but I felt so comfortable. And I think mentorship is so important. Women in, in strategic roles must mentor young, mentor younger women to give them opportunity or, or to tell them about opportunities, to give them some tips, to just ha- let them have a safe space where they can open up, where they can feel I can trust this person, I can talk. So mentorship is was a, a big deal of my last few years at the university. And I cannot tell you how much I hope that I empowered them, but I was empowered through that. It, it, it was a, a very fulfilling part of my job that I had the past, past few years. It sounds like it was an unexpected benefit for you. Absolutely. You know, when you step down as dean, you know, deanship is is hard work. It's 24-7, almost 360 days a year. It's hard work. And when I had my new family and I had grandchildren, I decided I can't do it anymore. There was opportunities. I could apply and I just said I can't. So I went down a step. And that was a hard one. You know, one usually step ladders up. To go down a level, I must tell you, it was, was quite a challenging time in my career. And that's what I was thinking. What can I do that will make me feel valuable, but where I can give out a helping hand to somebody else? And I think that's where this mentorship came about. And if I think back, yes, it was nice to be the dean. It was powerful. It was all... But I think this mentorship was actually the thing if I sit in my old age home one day and I reflect, that would be the one thing that I would reflect on most. Leadership has been an important part of your career. And apart from doing the mentorship dynamic of of bringing up and grooming new leaders into their potential, what were some of the go-to leadership strategies that that work best for you? Oh, you know, I am a leader who can't lead if I haven't done that. I have to have the experience. If I know how something is done, I can go and say to people, come on, let's do this. Let me give you the example. UJ partnership with a, a company in the U.S., 
on developing and presenting online degrees. I listened to it and I said, can't work in accounting, never, ever. You cannot work it. In the end, they said to me, come with to the U.S., to Dallas, and let's talk to the people. And I was sitting there and I thought it can't work. And then they would keep on, you know, the Americans, they keep on. And I thought, you know, this might just work. A total new model. So we have what we call a carousel. We do one module at a time for seven weeks, one week break, one module at a time, and that's six times a year. And anybody can, when you enter, you can skip what we call the intake. You can also enroll anytime. You can either January or March or May or August or October, you can enroll. And when I bought into it and I could see the advantages, I could take the leadership on the online degrees in what we now call our College of Business and Economics. And we've got six powerful, successful qualifications where we have students, more than 1,200 students enrolled for these qualifications, two are bachelor's degrees and four advanced diplomas. They never set foot at a university. They get a UJ qualification of the same standard than a UJ contact degree and an advanced diploma. And I first had to buy in and to see what it is, what is the advantages, because I cannot sell something if I don't believe in it. I'm passionate when I believe in it, and then I can lead. So I'll say that is, I don't know if there's a leadership um, strategy that is that, but I must be passionate about something. And then it's kind of, for me, leadership, I think, comes naturally. I know what to do. We have, to, And that's when I said I'm a doer. We have to get this successful. We have to see how many students we can enroll. We have to see how, how we can do this to the best. And, you know, lecturing to an online audience is so different from lecturing to contact. Lecturing to contact, you must almost be an actor. You must entertain them to keep their attention. Online students, they might work all day for 40 hours a week. And now you want to keep them busy. So how do you keep them busy? So, yes, I, I, I must be passionate. And I think then it, leadership comes naturally to me. And it sounds as though you've got a, a, a progressive mindset and one that is flexible because thinking about what you've just spoken about, the online world versus the physical contact environment, worlds apart, but yet the uh, the methods and, and the model, as you're explaining that, uh, having greater opportunities of intake so that it's not only once per annum or, or once per semester, but it's on this rotation basis of the carousel. So all of those those factors are really progressive. And I'm sure that um, that does take uh, an amount to deal with of changing mindsets. Yeah, you know, if I buy in something, I love it, and I, and I can run with it. And I'm not afraid of a challenge. You know, challenge is opportunity. If it comes your way, grab it, take it, don't let it go past you. You know, the time when they talked to us about Tutuka and empowering and capacitating the other universities, the previously disadvantaged university, we had long discussions and we said, it's, a, it's going to be hard to work. 
But we can either jump on the ship and do it, or we can stand on the land and see the ship passes us. And we decided we're going to get onto this boat and we're going to do it. And that's one of the other successes where we um, successfully help previously disadvantaged universities to get accreditation from SICA. So, yeah, that's that conscious decision you make. Am I going to take this leap of faith and put everything in and, and do it? And for us, all of that worked out. It was very successful, hard work. But, you know, if you're passionate about it and you can see what change we make in the country, because that's what's so important for us is nation building. And, you know, then you put your head down and you just do it. Dempsey, the aspect of nation building, of uh, building people to their full potential has definitely come through very strongly. And the view that you really care about your discipline Over the years, you've been a member of several organizations like the Independent Regulatory Board for Auditors. You've served on the board of FACET, the Finance Accounting Management Consulting and other financial services sector education and training authority. Tell us about some of the opportunities that you've been exposed to from your involvement with these associations. Yes, I had great opportunities for both of those organizations. I was lucky enough to be ministerial appointments. So I had to apply to the minister and say, this is my skills. I could be of help to you in this organizations. So yes, and that's how I got part of the RBA and then part of FACET. And it was through the RBA that I got involved in this international accounting committee where, like I said, I rub shoulders with academia all over the world. And yes, so it's again, there was a call out from a minister and I responded to the call and I then got it. And then I, I made the most of what I could of doing that. So it comes back to kind of say my motto is grab every opportunity. Don't don't let it go waste. Don't see something coming on your table and decide, oh, no, I won't do it. Because then you're not, never going to reach any heights. But it was, both of them was so fulfilling. The people that I got to know from the industry and the the projects that we have, both of both of those appointments uh, was, I, I enjoyed it very much to be part of that. And again, it's maybe my character where I want to see change and I could be part of the changes at both of those organisations. Would you encourage women to join their professional bodies and associations? Absolutely. You know, when you recycle member, you recycle member, but you can opt not to be active in anything or you can be opt, you can opt to be active. And so it's more than just joining. It is you have to join to get the professional designation. But when you're there, take part in it. You know, grab opportunities. Avail yourself for things. If there comes a call like the minister did, apply and 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 put yourself forward because nobody is going to knock on your door and say, please come and help us. They put out a call and then you see the call and you have to act on it. 
very important words, taking those opportunities that present themselves and being part of environments that have access to those opportunities. Absolutely. Prop Dempsey, a lot of our conversation today has been quite reflective. And one of the questions that I ask all my guests is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. Please share with us what have been some of the key drivers for you? I think my upbringing and my being in a girls' school, having very close friends at university, males and females, but our females bonding, I think that helps me to make myself comfortable in myself so that when I am in a group where there are different genders, I don't doubt myself. I know what I can do. And I think that is maybe what from my schooling in a girls' school. But still, I didn't put my girls in a girls' school at a strong woman. So I'm not sure how it works, but I was just, like I say, I've been lucky in my life. God opened doors. He's been good to me. My life has been an amazing event, career-wise, family-wise, with a lot of sorrow. I mean, um, burying a husband is is a sad part and, and leaving children without a father and then getting a new life again. So, yeah, you know, you must be a woman must feel secure in themselves. They must feel that they are um, comfortable in themselves. They know, don't need to prove then that I'm a woman. When I go into the work, I'm a person as you are a person. But when I come home, I can be a woman. When I discuss with my friends, we can chat about fashion and and those kind of things. So I think it's kind of almost a, a woman can have these two parts. And um, yeah, I'm not sure if I make sense. It also sounds as though you are, are very confident in who you are. So you've got self-confidence and that you've had a, a tremendous support network over the years, which have really believed in you. In fact, you've all believed in each other and supported one another to succeed. And I I say this because sometimes one of the things, elements that repeats in conversation is that a lot of women uh, experience imposter syndrome and they say, I didn't put my hand up because I didn't fit all of the criteria. But if you've got the confidence in yourself, and as you said earlier in the conversation that you were initially rejected for being too fertile, that you can overcome those issues. No, absolutely. And I think you you use the right words. I think when we lay we are together, the ladies, we empower each other. We can do it. We're strong. We can be a partner at KPMG. We can be a professor at the university. We can do it. We don't need to to stand behind and wait for the men to do it. Yeah, so I think it's a lot of that womanship. That's important. My school, my Eagles team as well. We're the Eagle team. We can do that. And we support each other. And I think that is a very important fact, that women must not lose touch with the womanhood and the other women who also are in a similar situation like that. As we close out today's conversation, please can you share a few words of wisdom for girls and women that are listening to us? Oh, first of all, believe in yourself. You can. 
you really, you can. And seize every opportunity. If the minister puts a call, put a call out, apply. You know, you might just get it. And you might have a nice, you have a, might have opportunities to travel because of something that you've done. So don't be afraid of trying to take opportunities. And trying often leads to being successful. But if you don't try, you can never be successful. So seize every opportunity. Fantastic words. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate this very, very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Professor Amanda Dempsey, who leads the School of Accounting at the University of Johannesburg.